Hey folks, this is Dr. Rob, and welcome to Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction, a podcast brought to you by Seeking Integrity Treatment Programs and hosted by me and my sidekick, Tammy. Say hi, Tammy. Hi, Dr. Rob. Thank you. Our show provides useful answers to your most asked questions about cheating, betrayal, and addiction. Let's get started. For the first question, my essay husband's one-year sobriety date is today. It's also my one-year discovery date. He is doing everything possible in recovery and doing it well. Can you elaborate on where couples are generally at the one-year mark? Now, that's an interesting question. I have Mm -hmm. not heard that before. And I wish I had an answer for you Um, because let me say this. I don't know what this person means by... um, my glasses back on um what to expect or what to what you know do they mean in terms of intimacy do they mean in terms of communicate like or do do they mean they're finally living together in other words can you frame this question tammy in a way that you think it would be most effective or what are your thoughts well i think it's interesting that discovery was also the sobriety date Uh, honestly that's pretty rare um that somebody you know, is able to stop the problematic behavior. I think, you know, you say he's doing well. I guess I'm also wondering how you are doing because you've, you know, this was a year ago for you and typically partners are behind because he's known all the time. And I use he and she, this is pronouns only for ease of conversation. So we, you know, we know anybody can be an addict and all kinds of relations. So, so I'm just using he for addict and she for pronoun, pronoun for um, spouses ju- or betrayed partners just for clarity. Okay. All right. So, um, but he has known all along that he was acting out, had this secret life doing all of these things and you didn't. And so my, my Mm -hmm. question is what support have you had? Cause you're seeing he's doing well and he's apparently doing things. That's action. That's great. Cause we say all the time, lips moving, lying actions, you know, really are, you know, how things start to shift and change. Um, So, I, I guess my question for you is, where are you, not as a couple, where are you as a betrayed partner? Have you had the support? You know, have you done formal therapeutic disclosure? You know, where, where are you? Um, there's so many different paths and it, it really kind of depends. Obviously, hopefully you both have, you know, the, a professional person helping support it. You know, he's doing all of the uh, S groups, you know, 12 step, our drop-in groups, you know, the sex addiction, one-on-one work group, whatever, um, uh, you know, and then continuing, you know, we've got inner child and out of the doghouse and all of those as well. Um, but for you, have you had support? Cause if you just had discovery, that's trauma. And so then what have you had to help you heal regardless of what he's doing so that you've had the support for your betrayal trauma? Does that make sense? Uh, I agree that the partner who's asking also needs to look inside and say, where am I? Um, especially, and I'm not saying that this isn't a good question. I have a, a thought of an answer, um, which is if you're both doing your work and you're growing, I think around a year is when you start to run into the real relationship. Mm-hmm. When you start to move past the drama and the issues of addiction, and then you start looking at yourselves and saying, well, who are we without all that? And what are our issues? Because a lot of you folks go to couples therapy 
often because there's problems, but nobody knows what's really going on because people are lying. And so once you finally are at this point, this might be a good time to say, let's look at the two of us as a couple as in our relationship, what's working, what isn't. If hopefully the lies are gone and the hiding is gone, and then you have a solid foundation to begin to figure out how to move forward together. And so, whereas when you're in active addiction, it's all blurry and you can't really see. So where I think you are is at a place where you can really begin to look at each other and step toward um, the connection that we have rather than the addiction being a distraction, it, it, an immediate distraction, I guess. We should keep moving, Tam, unless you yes. have more. No, married 36 years, in-house separated for almost two years. My husband is finally in recovery for about six months. I am so used to being alone, sleeping alone, doing my own thing, that it's hard to consider welcoming back into my life. I feel like it's time, but I'm struggling to figure that out. That, I mean, this makes sense. And it's it's one of those where when I hear people that have been separated for a longer period of time, you know, like, yeah, you kind of get doing your own thing. And it, you know, it is, it, it is disruptive in some some manner so what are your thoughts on this well i see finally in recovery for six months and so i see a process that has just begun um i wouldn't probably um be thinking okay everything's um great and we're ready to move on um six months is not a lot of time but what i wonder about is is um do you guys date like if you're intending to move forward, it doesn't have to be, well, now we're together and now things are where they were, you know, sexually or whatever you had thought they were. Um, why don't you get to know each other again? You know, you don't have to have sex. You don't have to be sleeping in the same bed. You don't, you can have a, well, I don't remember what the movie was, um, but I will think of it um, with Spencer Tracy and Catherine Hepburn. But there's a, or it might've been Doris Day. Anyway, I'm dating myself. It but, doesn't you know, matter. You can't yeah, draw the, a line, even if you have a line around across the middle of the house and either one of you crosses it, that's an even better way to go out and start to discover, rediscover who are we together? What's like, what do we enjoy? And then separating, because I think that's more like the reality of your life. So the first part would be complete separation. And then it would not be going back to where we were. It'd be trying pieces out and talking about it. Gee, I like this part. I, almost like going back to the beginning where you're rediscovering each other without this big uh, thing in the room that nobody knew about. So I, I think rather than thinking, oh my God, welcoming into back into my arms and my home, and it's gonna take all this time. And could you take a couple of evenings <laughs> and go do something fun or Saturday and worry less about the end point and think more about where you are now? That would be my feedback. Yeah, well, and in-house separation is challenging in and of itself. So you've you've managed to navigate that for, for two years. And so, so it, it's, you know, it's inherently awkward. And so I can uh, imagine, you know, coming back together in a different way is awkward as well. So one of the things um, I'm thinking is, um, uh, like Dr. Rob said, you know, dating and all of that, but remembering that you are different people, you know, like than, than you were 36 years ago. It's one of those where, you know, he's now in recovery. So what does that really look like? You know, learning more about each other. Um, you know, is, is going to be helpful. So, okay, I'm going to read the next question, then somebody's trying to get into a work group. So I'll give the, but I'm going to read this first. Hi, Dr. Robin Tammy. I have a question regarding attention to detail and any tips you may have to avoid 
a lack of it. I've always been someone that goes from A to E without hitting B, C, and D, and then always gets me in trouble in both my personal and professional life. I have been diagnosed with slight ADHD, but I don't want to excuse my actions on that. This weekend, I withdrew money from an ATM and put it in a slush fund we keep for emergencies. In the past, I've done this to buy porn video and, of course, didn't tell my wife I took the money out. Whenever we take money out for this out for this fund we always let each other know this time i took the money out left the receipt on the shredder and didn't think twice about it and moved on my wife understandably was upset about it and wanted an explanation for my doing it in my head i was doing the right thing but did not remember to tell her about it and it became an issue as it needs to become muscle memory like everything else as a person does and realizing a person oops there's more apparently hang on oh uh, hang on um it's been 13 months. My wife does, still doesn't know if she wants to try and rebuild. Today, an email from my family came out regarding a family reunion. I made a joke on the email with my sister. My wife was very upset and said I wasn't grieving the relationship or hurting because I am able to joke. I'm in therapy, multiple so, groups. I think these are two different questions. I, oh, I you really, do? Really do. So, yeah. So why don't you go do what you need to do? Although okay. I am, do want to understand why we're having problems okay. with people signing up, but that's a whole other different issue. Yeah, they so, just don't pay attention to the Zoom link, but that's, I, I'm going to, I'm going to mute and take care of this. I know, I know. I'm going to take care of it. I'll be right back. So you start with that's the fine. first one. Um, so, um, so when you lie, you set everything back to the beginning. It's like a reset button. You may say to yourself, oh, well, it was just money. And your spouse thinks, well, if they're still lying about stuff like that, what else are they lying about? So um, every time you minimize, you lie, you think you're helping yourself or whatever it is you think, but you're actually undermining, you're really bringing your spouse back to the beginning. I mean, I, I had a couple who I thought was doing really great. I mean, this is really a true story. And he lied about taking out the garbage a few times. He lied about not bringing groceries, whatever he lied about. And she left him because she said, you know what, if you're going to lie about little things, I can only imagine how much you're going to lie if you actually have to tell me something difficult. So yeah, I guess what's difficult to me about this question is you're acting out. Like, you know, if I take if I start fantasizing about the sex worker and then I find one online and then I take some money out of the bank, granted, it's really good that I didn't go and that I went home and that, but it, but you're already on the way to acting out. So that is actually more my concern. You're worried about something with your spouse and I'm worried about, you know, how did you handle this with your recovery? And do you see this as, because it's the way this reads, Tammy, is sort of like, well, this kind of happened and I kind of ended up doing this. And there isn't a lot of um, ownership here for what this person did. And and then without your ownership, it's easy to, under, to not understand when is your wife going to get over this or figure it out. So I'd be looking at less at trying to explain things to her and make her feel better and more at where am I in recovery? And what I would say to her is, you know what, this is a real warning sign and I get it. And I, you know, I won't going to take this to a higher level. I'm going to, you know, do more therapy. I'm going to go to more meetings. I'm going to do whatever it takes, but please leave your spouse alone and let them feel whatever it is they need to feel. Because not only were you 20 minutes late, it's not like just your average, you actually went on the path of what you did before. I can only imagine that she has figured out before that money is missing or whatever. And here she is again in the same situation as she was before. Why would she believe anything you say? So, um, 
yeah, I think you should take this much more seriously in terms of your own recovery and leave your wife alone. That would be my feedback. Tammy? I, well, yeah, I was like, okay, so you're standing at the ATM. Like I could, I can even imagine kind of the bubble that you're, you're like, you're, you're kind of in a zone and you're dissociated and you say, I go from A to E without, you know, so, so first of all, why are you taking the money out? If, if we take out money, why doesn't your wife take the money out and put right. it in the slush fund? So you don't even have to do that. If you're at the ATM, let's say, let's you back it up. Let's say you're at the ATM. I'm at the ATM. I'm taking money out for the slush fund. Okay. Question mark wait for answer before taking money out get mm -hmm. you know get approval and then i love the part because i'm an addict i love the part in my head you know of course in my head i was doing the right thing i told myself that a million times i made up all the excuses for why it was okay you know so we lie to ourselves first that's that's the very first lies we tell is to ourselves so so yeah to me this is like you know making an amends not saying i'm sorry making an amends and changing changing the structure of it's not you know we tell each other after the fact you know for taking the money out it's like you need a new plan because this one clearly you know had you know it needs some tweaks to it in order to be successful so so there's some opportunity there to to make a different plan but but it's the bigger issue like dr rob was saying this is one piece you know and if if you were really doing great with you know everything else your wife you know, uh, wouldn't have to feel so distrusting, you know, and interesting that you left the receipt on the shredder. Why was it on the shredder? You know, like, why, why wasn't it here, honey? I, I want you to know I did this, you know, on the shredder that's going to get shredded. So she still won't know more to more to more. So anyway, well, there's, there's one more thing in here that I really want to challenge, which is your last sentence. It will never be muscle memory ever for me to, uh, not want to go to the ATA, no matter how many times I practice not doing it or don't do it, it's, there's always going to, my addict, when I'm doing well, the addict is in the, my addict is in the corner doing push-ups. So if you expect that it's just going to become automatic, that you won't do this anymore, you won't want to do this anymore, it isn't like muscle memory. The, our addict doesn't really remember much. And so we need that other part of us that is constantly putting, what's missing here, as Tammy said, is pieces in place between you and the money. Personally, I don't know why you even have an ATM card. You could just say to your wife, if I need money, I'll ask you. Um, you know, I, just a thought. You, you, what, are you, what are you putting in between you and the bank machine? You know, for me, it would be, I don't, I'm not allowed to take money in the bank unless I call my sponsor and get through to them. And then I have to tell them why. And if they agree that I can take money out, so put a process in between you and this, because it will never be muscle memory. But what you can learn is that the right thing to do is reach out to someone that we can learn, but we'll forget it in a heartbeat. We have to practice recovery is we're never cured. We're never done. It's never automatic. I would always prefer to act out, to be honest with you, but, but but experience and hard work says to me that that's only going to lead me to pain. And that's not about muscle memory. That's about having worked on it for so long that I, and still working on it. I think Tammy and I still go to meetings. I still, still mm -hmm. after 30 years, I want to be reminded of how bad it could be. 
And I want to put my arms around that person who is struggling and saying it's going to get better. I, I love being in that place. And that's part of why we take it on as life's work. We're not addicted, by the way, to 12-step programs. We just get so much for ourselves and part of that in the giving at this point. So anyway, I don't see the muscle memory part. I don't think that's the best way to look at it. I would have concrete things that are in the way of what you do. Um, mm-hmm. Now, and A, B, C, D, E, not A to E. Right, exactly. And you can put that on a chart, by the way. Mm-hmm. We have sometimes say box A, box B, what are the steps I'm going to take? And what if I don't do this one? Then what do I do? And you can make a whole chart out of it. Um, now read this one, Tammy. Okay. It's been 13 months. My wife doesn't know still if she wants to try and rebuild. Today, an email from my family came out regarding a family reunion. And I made a joke on the email um, with my sister. My wife was very upset and said it wasn't I wasn't grieving the relationship or hurting because I'm able to joke. I'm in therapy in multiple groups as well and doing the work. I'm learning and improving as days go by, but everything that happens like this makes her say she is done. I don't know how to deal with this. I'm not grieving the same way she is, but I'm grieving. How do I make her see that? So can I, we have a couples healing from betrayal work group that's starting next month. And it's grieving losses together. I, I would really encourage you. It's on the Seeking Integrity site. We only offer it a couple times a year, but that could be a really useful thing for the two of you, you know, and grieving losses, you know, like um, I forgot the language because it's really um, old language from, from, from the big book, but it's, we are not a glum lot is what I think it is. It's something like that. We learn you know, my, my counselor in treatment said, if you don't make recovery fun, you're not going to make it. So yes, but here's the deal. Like I said earlier, you knew all along that you were cheating, lying and doing all of those things. Your wife gets hit with discovery 13 months ago. And so she's in a very different place. So honoring that she's in a different place and, you know, and learning language of empathy. Dr. Eddie Caparucci has done some, uh, including some role plays on how to show up differently. You know, I'm sorry that my past behavior has been so hurtful for you. I mean, there's some specific language. It doesn't minimize. It's not placating. It's, it's being showing up and being real. But we also don't, um, you, know, you know, like we, we also have to have, you know, humor as long as it's appropriate. I am assuming with your sister it was, you know, um, so, so, but she gets to have her hurt, you know, I mean, that's right. really where she's at. So Dr. Rob. I, I couldn't agree more, Tammy. I think, well, first of all, I think I, it, it bothers me that you make any kind of comparison between your grieving and your partner's. You know, you got to do, no offense, you got to do whatever you wanted to do for years and years and years. And if you're grieving anything, it's no longer being able to get away with lies, no longer being able to act out. And there's probably some grief about how you hurt your relationship and hurt your partner. But that's like, that's like 10 pounds against a two ton weight that your spouse is dealing with in terms of feeling, they feel unsafe in the world. They feel unsafe in their home. They're scared of what the next thing. And I don't think, so I do think you lack empathy and compassion for what she she is going through. Um, And I would expect that I don't know when my partner's going to get triggered, you know, just because I didn't intend this and that. Well, maybe maybe there were other conversations I was having and I was joking with other women. It reminded her, you can't predict. She's still very angry. She's still very 
vigilant. She's still very, it's on the surface. And 13 months is not that long. Um, I would just suggest to you, and I, you know, uh, read out of the doghouse, a relationship saving guide for men caught cheating. You're the one I wrote it for. I'm not grieving the same way as she is. How can I help her understand what I'm doing? I don't think it's quite about that. But I really wrote a book. And by the way, if I sell a book, I make about 12 cents, just so you know. So I'm not trying to push this so I can have more mortgage money or something. But mm -hmm. I believe in what I write. And I wrote a book for men because who cheat on a woman because we are clueless. You know, I didn't write a, by the way, a book for women who cheat on men. Or This is a population I wanted to write about because men do not understand the healing, the, the, the work that it takes to bring peace to a heterosexual marriage. You know, we just don't. And to me, and by the way, when I wrote Out of the Doghouse, I didn't write a namby-pamby, you know, self-help book. I said, dude, this is where you're at. This is what you're doing. If you want to be in this relationship, you better go do that. It's very clear that it doesn't come from a woman. No offense, ladies, but it's very direct. Um, and I think there are things you're right. You have, you have stuff you need to learn. And if you want to learn, take a course, read a book, talk to other men who are dealing with these kinds of things, go to a drop-in group and, uh, and, and talk to the guys about struggling with your relationship. But I do think there's a little too much emphasis on, I'm in therapy, I'm going to multiple groups and I'm doing the work and therefore, why is she so upset? It doesn't matter how much you do. This is her pain. This is her struggle. This is what she's going through. And I suggest rather than saying, and I bet you do, but it was just my sister and I was just making a joke or that's why I wrote out of the doghouse mm -hmm. because the right mm -hmm. thing to say is, you know, I was just talking to my sister, but I can completely understand how you would get triggered by stuff like this. And I caused this and I'm so, so sorry. And I'm really sensitive to the fact that you have every right to be triggered when you see me joking with someone on the phone and give it to them. We have to fall on our sword over and over and over again. And if that's not where you are, defending, asking for forgiveness, apologizing, telling that your spouse how troubled you've been and how much trauma you have and how now you're working, leave them alone. Um, let them have their feelings and don't question their feelings. Step in and tell them you understand because you cause them. Okay. Okay, next question. Um, so it says, my husband is the sex addict. He has told me not to call him a sex addict. He says he is, he has only anger and resentment towards me. No other person makes him mad. Our couple CSAT knows my husband is not in recovery and tells me I'm not in program. I have an amazing sponsor, make calls, pray, meditate, and read, but I mess up. This is so hard. My question is, am I wasting my time with couples therapy? We can we progress if he refuses program? And why is the CSAT sat not being honest with me? Oh, this is well, a to, loaded to your, one. To your last point, I don't know your therapist. I don't know what's going on in your therapy. And I know as a therapist that people have often have opinions and beliefs about what we should be doing, what we shouldn't be doing. Sometimes there are things that I think about that I think this isn't the right time to bring it up or this isn't the right situation. So I don't know anything about what's going on in your relationship. I know this though, a couple of things. Couples therapy is not helpful in a situation like this. Um, you, There are so many lies. Um, you're being victimized in this situation. You know, I'm the one who cheated on you for the last 12 years and I had sex with 300 people and I've been seeing sex workers and I, I'm looking at porn all the time and I'm having affairs, but I'm angry at you because you call me on it. I mean, how entitled is that? And honestly, if I was you, 
and someone said this to me, um, I, that no one else makes them mad, I would say, you see the door over there? Let me open it for you so you can get the out. Um, this is how dare, excuse me for getting dramatic, how dare this person push you back and make you on the defensive when you've had to live with this, understand it, and now you are. So what I hear is that you're getting a lot of um, pushback about being where exactly where you should be. And by the way, of course, this is so hard. We do get overwhelmed. We do yell, woman scream when we don't mean to. You know, this is one of the biggest challenges you'll ever go through in your life. So please don't talk about messing up. You know, say, say I have been really doing the best I can and I feel good about my progress. And by the way, I wrote another book about this called Pro-Dependence, which is not a codependency model. It's helping therapists, uh, not therapists, people understand uh, their role in, in being involved with an addict. And I will say to all of you, what this is about is about, I don't think there's anything wrong with any of you for staying with us. I think we are blessed that you do. And the reason that you stay with us is despite all the crap we've caused, you still love us. And I don't think you stay with us out of your own illness. I think you stay with us because you love us and you still see, I hear this, Tammy, and I still see the part of you that I saw all along that I believe in. I just want all this addiction and, and abuse stuff to get out of the way so we can have that part. Um, so Tammy, you're, you're oh, a lot. So the pro-dependence moving beyond <laughs> the myth of codependency. So please read this. Um, like, yeah, I, I'm disheartened when I read, but I mess up. This is so hard. So you're doing, you're doing all of this work and the addict who's causing all of this is blaming you, which there's, there's, and Dr. Rob says this all the time. There's nothing you did or didn't do that caused him to, to act out. There's nothing you are doing now that could. So if the therapist is, um, let's see, uh, where was it? Our couples, uh, CSET knows my husband is not, and tells me I am not in program. You aren't the addict unless you are the addict, but I don't hear that. So you are, you are the betrayed partner you deserve support. Um, the coupleship is the client in a couple's therapy. That, that's just it. He's not, the, you know, your addict husband isn't, you are not. So the relationship is. But as Dr. Rob has said, experience has told us, you know, that for years that couples therapy too early in the process when there's active addiction like this is not right. only not helpful, but often it's counterproductive. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. well, somebody used an analogy and I've used this a bunch. I wish I could give credit where credit is due, but it's like rowing a boat with one oar. you're there, you're paddling like crazy and you're going around in circles because your addict husband is just sitting there going like, yep, it's her, it's her, it's her. And so, so it doesn't really help anything um, you know, to do that. So, so I would encourage you to get your own healthy support, you know, it, it, get your own personal uh, therapist. If you need help, Tammy, T-A-M-I at Seeking Integrity and tell me where you're located and I'll help you find a pro-dependent aligned support person. Um, we have a work group for betrayed partners. Part of that is healthy boundaries, your physical safety, your emotional safety, your financial safety, your spiritual safety. I value me. What do I need to do to take care of me, regardless of what you choose to do or not do? Um, uh, but 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 I just told somebody this is only Monday, so it was today. <laughs> you know, I no nobody can make me mad. I can get mad at what they're doing, 
but nobody can make me mad. I, I choose my actions and reactions sometimes better than others, but you know, to blame somebody else for how I'm acting, you know, that I'm mad at you. Well, I can, what, you know, Dr. Rob, what you're doing right now is really hurtful to me. And here's why, you know, but right. I, you didn't, you, you're making me mad is like a little kid having a tantrum, quite frankly, you know, and it's blame shifting, you know, you've got enough on your plate with the betrayal trauma that you have experienced, you know, he, he, th this is his issue. We have a treatment program, 14, 21 or 28 days. And, you know, you guys would be an ideal couple for the two of you to have an expert consultation with Dr. Rob, just saying, but whatever you need to do to take care of you, healthy boundaries for you, because you are living with an active addict and, and it's a chronic condition. It will continue to get worse until and unless he, you know, uh, gets help to be better, but you can still take care of you and you can stay in the relationship. It's just with healthy boundaries so that you're safe. So I, I wanted to add one thing to that. I wanted to say something about the last sentence you mentioned was, why is the CSAT not being honest with you? So with all due respect, you're not being honest with the CSAT. You know, you need to say, I don't feel like you understand and he's not in recovery and I am doing the best I can. And I don't understand why you're not confronting him. I don't understand why you think I'm part of the problem. I don't understand. Is this, are you, is this part of your process or I don't feel comfortable. I feel like I'm being the bad guy. You, you know, the best gift you can give us therapists is to let us know what's going on. We are not, believe it or not, um, teachers who are going to say, do this, do that, do this, do that, and, and who can't be questioned. You know, we want, from your questions, we learn. From your uh, decisions, we learn. And by the way, if your decision was, I don't want to be in couples therapy until my husband is in recovery, because I, I with all due respect, I, I think he should keep going, keep going, whatever, but I'm going to take my time to talk to my sponsor and go to my meetings and take care of myself. If you have a good therapist, they will respect that. They will look at the situation and they will be curious. Um, and Lord knows, Tammy, whose client we just <laughs> kicked out of their therapy. But nonetheless, I'm more interested in you guys than I am the therapists. You can help us learn and you can help us direct you better. And you can say, I don't think this is the time for me to be here. And our job is to respect, to learn and to give feedback as best we can. So you need to say more to the professional. You're there. Um, I think you should do it. Yeah. And, and my concern is this, and you didn't say it, but this feels like there's codependent that you need to be working on you rather than mm -hmm. gosh, you're, you know, you, I, I can see how hard you're working, you know, to support this relationship, which is again, from a pro-dependent lens. So. Thank you for listening to this episode of Overcoming Betrayal and Addiction. If our words have led you to seek help, please reach out. You can always find us at www.seekingintegrity.com.